Welcome to ING's Think Aloud with me, Rebecca Byrne. In today's episode... The actions we have taken to sanction Putin's regime are not cost-free for us at home. The invasion of Ukraine presents a risk to our recovery, as it does to countries around the world. UK Chancellor Rishi Sunak says the war's most significant impact on the economy domestically is on the cost of living, which was already rising before the conflict started. UK inflation rose more than 6% in February, and the Office for Budget Responsibility has warned it could hit a 40-year high of 8.7% in the fourth quarter as energy prices surge. British households face a 54% increase in energy bills next month, with a further hike expected in October. And while Sunak's spring statements offered some measures to reduce the burden on consumers, growth forecasts have been revised down and Sunak admitted that uncertainty around the outlook is unusually high. ING economist James Smith says the Chancellor may have to do more in the coming months, while the Bank of England may do less. James, even before the war in Ukraine, the UK was facing a massive increase in household energy bills. Has the Chancellor done enough to address the cost of living crisis? Well, I think there'll definitely be calls for him to do more. I mean, he's done a few bits and pieces both uh, today in his March spring statement, but also a few weeks ago as well in early February. So, for example, he's added what's what's being termed this energy rebate. So that will come through for households later in the year to support uh, household electricity and gas prices. Um, he's added a council tax discount, raised the threshold whereby you start paying national insurance. That's a type of tax in the UK. And he's also cut fuel duty, so uh, the, the sort of fixed tax on petrol. Is it enough? Well, I think what we've got to remember is just how steep these price rises we're seeing really are. So if you take household electricity and gas prices, Last April, the, the household energy cap was set just over a thousand pounds a year for the average household. That went up to about, or will go up to about two thousand pounds in a few days' time, and potentially could go even up to two thousand six hundred, two thousand seven hundred pounds later this year. And just to put that into context, the energy rebate that I mentioned is £200 per household as a sort of one-off payment. So it's kind of a relatively small percentage of that overall increase in energy bills. And of course, that's only one of the things that's going up in in price. So um, there may well be pressure to do more. I think I think really what the Chancellor is doing is using the time afforded by the energy price cap system, which means that the bulk of the recent volatility we've seen in gas prices and other wholesale power, power prices, that won't really appear in household bills until October because uh, of this cap. So I think clearly if we see gas prices rise dramatically again, then he will be under a lot of pressure to increase the support to households, particularly those on lower incomes later this year. So this might not be the last word that the Chancellor has to say on this. I think what was notable was today's uh, statement didn't include a faster or more dramatic increase in social benefits payments. Some had hoped that the Chancellor might do that as well, basically to allow benefit payments to keep track of with uh, inflation, but that's not happened. So potentially more to come. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that's expected to put upward pressure on um, energy prices is this promise to phase out Russian energy supplies by year-end. Now, I know we're not as dependent as some other countries in Europe, but this is going to add to the pain that consumers are feeling, right? 
Yeah, well, if we take gas, um, as you mentioned, the UK source is relatively little from Russia directly. I think it's less than 10% of our total supplies. Most of the gas comes from a combination of domestic production. A lot also comes from Norway, increasingly also LNG, liquefied natural gas. So on paper, the UK is less affected if there were to be, say, disruption of supplies from Russia. But the important thing to remember really is that the UK is still pretty reliant on natural gas for power generation, overall energy consumption. About, I think, just under 40% of the UK's energy consumption is from uh, gas, and that's much higher than a lot of other places in Europe. And really, that's a byproduct of the UK's progress on net zero to some extent. Coal's been virtually phased out in the UK now in the energy system. Wind and solar are taking on a much bigger role. But you need, still need a backup fuel for when the wind doesn't blow. We discovered that last summer. And natural gas really plays that role now in the UK. So as a result, it's natural gas prices which effectively set the marginal price of electricity in the UK. So higher gas prices, higher power prices is, is the way it works. So um, that's, that's ultimately the reason why household energy bills will be going up by around 50% in uh, just a few days' time. Of course, it's not just energy prices that are going up. Food prices are also likely to accelerate because of higher commodity prices linked to the war. How exposed is the UK to Russia in terms of trade flows? Well, the UK, as you'd expect, is less directly exposed than other parts of Europe, particularly uh, places in Europe that are closer to Russia. That's mainly down to energy. Um, so just to give you a sense, I mean, the overall contribution of what we'd call Russian value added, so Russian production and, and so on, to overall UK um, domestic demand, it's around half a percent compared to, say, about one percent on average in the EU. But I mean, that dependency does vary depending on where you look. So if you take metals, non-ferrous metals, we get around a quarter of those supplies from Russia, coal and coke products as well, fertilizer, around 10% of our imports are from Russia. And incidentally, a lot of these products as well are also, uh, or a lot of the, the products that use these inputs are also getting more expensive because they're also pretty energy intensive as well. So the rise in commodity prices we're seeing will be feeding through to inflation. So take food prices will be going up because of those higher fertilizer prices. Airline tickets will be going up because of uh, jet fuel. But I think what's the big uncertainty right now is, you know, what's going to happen sort of less directly? What's How's the war going to amplify the strains on supply chains that we've already been seeing all the way through the pandemic? Um, you know, in a sense, what are those economic linkages that maybe haven't really come to light yet? That's what we still don't really know. I guess one interesting barometer, keep an eye on used car prices, because these have surged 30% in the last eight months or so. Um, and that's contributing around half a percent to the current rate of headline inflation. So it's been quite big. Now, before the war, it looked possible that we'd see some of those prices come back down because new vehicle, new car availability was looking like it was going to get a bit better this year. But of course, metal markets are, are very tight right now. Prices have gone up. You know, so this could be an interesting place to see if those supply challenges uh, are extended. Mm. Well, we've spoken a lot about the impact on inflation, but what about the impact on disposable incomes and economic growth? Could all of this actually tip us into recession this year? Well, inflation is the highest it's been in 30 years now, and it's going to go even higher still. So uh, what we're likely to see is one of the biggest hits to disposable incomes 
um, over the next couple of quarters than we've certainly seen for a number of years. So on the face of it, it's very difficult to see how consumer spending avoids a downturn later this year. There are a couple of mitigating factors, though. I mean, one is that the economy still actually has quite good momentum uh, following COVID. Actually, activity bounced back very quickly after Omicron. The new wave certainly hasn't deterred consumer willingness to go out and socialise, return to the offices and so on. So there's been a bit of momentum there. But the other perhaps more important thing is the economy still has a lot of savings. So if you kind of think about a scenario where the pandemic didn't happen and, and savings kind of continued as before, what actually happened was we saw so-called excess savings, so savings on top of that normal in the region of around 8% of GDP. So that's quite a big um, quite a big savings buffer. Admittedly, um, that's mainly concentrated in higher income earners who are less likely to be as badly affected by energy costs, le- less likely to cut back spending in response. Um, so as, as we were mentioning earlier, a lot's going to depend on the government support um, and, and really if energy prices rise further. I spe- suspect at the very least economic growth will flatline later this year. We may well see some quarters of negative readings, maybe even a recession. I certainly wouldn't rule that out. It's certainly uh, a fairly likely prospect, I guess. Um, but that savings offset means that it might not be a huge one, even if we do get into a technical recession. Mm. For now, at least, the uh, the job market seems to be pretty tight. But of course, wages are not keeping pace with prices. And the Bank of England has predicted that redundancies will go up this year. What are you expecting? Yeah, the jobs market has been very surprising, actually, over the last few months. It's in a very strong position. Redundancies are remarkably low, which is pretty amazing, really, because when you consider there are over a million workers still on the furlough scheme, back before it ended last September. The fact that there's been no sort of turbulence in the jobs market since is is quite remarkable. Uh, So unemployment's back to where it was virtually pre-virus, albeit that's partly because uh, a lot of people have actually left the jobs market increasingly, it seems, because of uh, higher long-term sickness rates. So we'll have to see how that one plays out. But certainly the jobs market's been in quite a good place. So I think given how surprising it's been over the last few months, it's actually quite hard to make any firm predictions. But certainly the risks are there. I mean, the way things could worsen for for hiring. I mean, costs are really rising sharply for businesses. We know that, particularly in the energy-intensive industrial space. Um, And what we saw during COVID, of course, was there was big government support for consumers, which meant that businesses still had the pricing power to pass on higher costs that have arisen over the past couple of years. Now, that may be less feasible for businesses now that household incomes are coming under such great pressure. So I think what we'll potentially see or the risk is that we see increased margin pressure for for companies over the next few months Um, and that in turn maybe means we see reduced appetite to hire particularly in a scenario where energy costs were to surge once more and those sort of heavy industrial producers are forced to reduce output so I think that's the risk scenario right now. When you put all of this together James what do you think it means for the Bank of England and for interest rates? The BOE obviously raised rates again last uh, week for a third time but it does seem to be turning a little bit more cautious. Are we nearing the end of this hiking cycle? Yes I think so. I mean so far the Bank of England has been very focused on inflation right from last autumn really when gas prices began to rise uh, for the first time uh, the Bank of England kind of looked looked at that very much through the lens of what it means for inflation, 
does higher inflation today mean there's a higher risk of that becoming more sustained in the future if inflation expectations go up or it sort of feeds through to some kind of wage price spiral? Um, so the bank, the bank's hiked three times so far. Markets expect the Bank of England to go another five times by the end of this year. So that's a lot of rate hikes. But I think the key thing to remember is, and as we've been discussing, you know, even if we get this surge in energy costs, ultimately that's a disinflationary factor in the medium term, given what it implies for lower spending, lower growth, even if in the short term it means headline inflation rates are going to be a bit higher. Uh, and in fact, in most scenarios, actually, you're probably going to see inflation rates come way lower by the end of 2023 as, as some of those energy effects kind of filter out for the annual comparison. So, I think certainly the, the bank's getting closer to the end of its hike cycle. We can see this, as you mentioned, the Bank of England was uh, back in February, even before the war, forecasting higher unemployment under a scenario where those market expectations were realised on interest rates. Um, and since then, actually, markets have only increased their rating expectations even further. Um, and I think that's why, you know, when you look at last week's meeting, the bank's begun to take a decidedly more cautious approach. It's highlighting that cost of living squeeze much more. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think, sure, markets are looking for five more hikes. I think it's likely to be a lot less than that. We'll probably get another 25 basis point hike in May, perhaps another one after that. But I think that's going to be more or less it. OK, James Smith, ING's Developed Markets Economist. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. This podcast has been prepared by ING solely for information purposes, irrespective of a particular user's means, financial situation or investment objective. The information does not constitute investment recommendation, nor is it investment, legal or tax advice or an offer or solicitation to purchase or sell any financial instrument. Read more at think.ing.com slash content dash disclaimer.